I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Power of Audio, Science and AI. My guest today is Dr. Hain Ong, co-founder of GrooveSense, a leading global UK music tech company on a mission to automate the social music playing experience via their AI music selection app. Dr. Hain is an associate professor in computer science and has a PhD in machine learning. He specializes in intelligent systems that monitor human behavior. In his research, he has worked on subjects such as affected computing, aka artificial emotional intelligence, and ubiquitous computing for wide range of applications. He was formerly a lead researcher in the People Aware Computing Laboratory at Cornell University and part of the HCI Research Center at University College London. In this episode, Dr. Hain and I will discuss the ins and outs of automating the social music playing experience using artificial emotional intelligence technologies to create the perfect playlist. This subject is very close to my heart as I used to work three years with event management in London. The GrooveSense app is now live on the App Store and Google Play Store, so you can go and download it and start using it today. With that, Dr. Hain, I welcome you and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Wow. Thank you to Jasmine for having me. What a great introduction. Yes, I look forward to sharing your story. So how are you feeling today and where are you? Um, so I'm in Norfolk. That's where I live. I'm based in the UK. Um, but as you mentioned, I used to live in London and I used to live in the US for a while um, and sort of been here, there and everywhere on my journeys uh, throughout my career, really. But nowadays I'm sort of settled in in, the, in Norwich, if people know in Norfolk, and, and this is where I live and this is where I'm, I'm based at the moment. Lovely. So let's get into your background and who you are. So I read a line that you are a breakdancer. So I'm curious to know, what is your earliest memory of music? And when did you know you had a talent for dancing? Well, I need to correct you slightly there. I, I, I used to be a bread dancer. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want people to start sort of asking me to do things at this, uh, you know, um, I'm uh, at this age. But uh, so yeah, I did, I did used to do that. Um, in terms of when I had a propensity to dancing, I, I guess I would have to say I always um, liked to move to music. I, I was that's something I did as a child actually. So when there was music, I always liked to move to it. I might have got that from my mother because she was a former dancer herself. Uh, might be in the genes. And my brother dances, and this, you know, part of it, in, part of my family is is in in the arts and music as well. So, um, so I've always just liked moving to sound. I've always liked moving movement as a child, and that manifested into going and learning dancing. And uh, as I got a bit older, um, I thought, well, you know, that looks very great to do you know break dancing or b-boying as as it's as it's known in in the in the inner circles um and uh, and i i was lucky enough to meet some people who were doing it when i was living in liverpool at the time and they helped me to learn it and get better at it a little bit for what it was worth i was never as good as them to be honest um but i did it for a while and um it was it was a great hobby i loved it it was um and and you know i, I wish i could still do it but i can't <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so going from the dancing, then I want to know what was then your inner motivational drive and the curiosity as a boy that brought you then to study and work in the behavioral computer science industry, especially with an artificial emotional intelligence. Yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, that's a fairly long journey that that has a sort of a projection which we can which we'll talk about. Uh, um, so when I started, so I didn't really start out as a formal dancer. As, when I was very young, I just liked it and I started learning it as I got a bit older. Um, having said that, in parallel to all of that stuff, I was always been a bit of a nerd as a in school. I was always I always liked um, science. I always liked the scientific uh, subjects at school and things like that. Um, and I liked computing as well. Uh, I went on to study engineering at university as an undergraduate. The the uh, the course I took was had a big robotics component to it, so it was a, sort of a robotics degree. Um, it had nothing to do with the robotic dancing, by the way. So that was uh, I just want to make that clear. Um, and and uh, I learned that, and through that, I started to learn about the idea of machines being intelligent and artificial intelligence as a broad term. And that was, you know, in, in the late 90s when it wasn't really that prevalent in terms of public discussion, AI. It was sort of this niche thing that people were looking at in those days. Um, and I was very interested in it. It was very, a very curious thing to me about how machines can emulate what human beings do. And, and as I, you know, fast forwarding a few more years, um, I ended up doing research in that area and part of that uh, was about how people interact with each other and how they behave and how machines can uh, learn about the nature of that and also learn about how people behave um, which is part of actually what group sense is all about so that's really where it came from so I, I sort of cut through several years of my my uh, learning pro, uh, trajectory in a, in a couple of sentences there, but that's that's what got me to that point, and 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 I, I'm still learning actually. So it's it's a, it's a fascinating area. Yeah, it, it really is, and yeah, I, I I was also I am a science nerd too, so it's a great thing to to be proud of today. So you went along and you studied a PhD in machine learning, and then you ended up working uh, as a data scientist at Health Rhythms. And then until now, then like up to 2018, you co-founded GrooveSense. So tell us about the journey and the learnings along the way. Yeah, so as after I finished my undergraduate degree in uh, engineering, electrical engineering and robotics, I stayed at the University of Liverpool at the time um, and, and did a PhD. And I sort of focused more into the AI side of things. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a placement to do a PhD there. And in it, it actually, in those days, it wasn't really called machine learning. That sort of that sort of term appeared more prevalent later on. Uh, but it was still to do with what we call, at those days, we call it pattern recognition. And it was to do with image pattern recognition and what we can get from uh, uh, images and how machines can interpret images through AI techniques and in specifically what I did was a technique called neural networks. So um, we, I did that and, and, and did a PhD and that and learned a lot from there. Um, 
And it, that was mostly in those days to do with health applications and x-rays and things like that, which, uh, which we worked on in, at the time. Following on from that, um, I did, um, as, as academics will know, uh, I did a, a couple of positions as a postdoctoral post researcher. Um, I was lucky enough to move into a very good group at University College London, uh, where I started to learn about um, how machines can look at behavior. And this is where the behavioral science comes into play using machine learning. So I'm using my machine learning background. Um, and it was to do with how people move. It was to do with body expressivity and motion. And we also worked with a good, great teams in other, other universities that looked at face expression and voice and all sorts of um, other behavioral cues that people express and how we can create algorithms and machine learning models that can understand what's going on um, with that person through their expression. So that was um, uh, another part of my journey where I was where I was lucky enough to learn a great deal of uh, um, stuff in, in that uh, in that uh, role. Moving on a little bit further, I then moved to the United States, where I did where I had another research position at Cornell University, as you mentioned. There, it was more about how that behavioral science can be applied in not just in a laboratory setting, but also in the outside world um, and in the, in the so-called real world, or sometimes called in the wild. Um, and that was done primarily through sensing technologies that you can get off the shelf, in particular sensors that you get in the smartphone. So, so where in the movement sensors or the locational sensors or various other sensors you get in smartphones, and what we can learn about beha people's behavior through those sensors as well. So there was a further evolution to the applicability to this behavioral science. Um, and that's where I, I, I worked in the, in the PeopleWare computing lab. And there was a company that was associated with that lab that worked, um, that was founded in New York City, which, which I uh, helped with for a while in the beginning of that company called Health Rhythms, as you mentioned. And they focused on uh, how this behavioral science through smartphones and, and data analysis through smartphones can be applied for various mental health applications. So how people behave differently because of different, different mental health conditions. So that was the uh, specific topic of health rhythms. And that's um, where I learned about that. Um, and great, again, lucky enough to get some really great experience through them. I then took a position, uh, I came back to the UK um, and I, I was, uh, there was sort of a, I was sort of a gap a little bit in, in, in my working uh, phase. And I met up with an old friend of mine. Well, I was already in contact with him, but I, I reconnected with an old friend of mine, Yuzan Rahman, who used to work in the banking sector at, in London at, at Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. And he was also in this sort of in-between phase as, as me. And um, and we sort of got together and says, look, you know what, what you know, let's let's think about doing something. He wanted to 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 get into the technology world and and um, and uh, and see if there's any interesting startups that we could consider that we think would be um, uh, that we, we think we could work. Um, and I had long discussions with him at the time, and that's where the idea of GrooveSense came about. 
um, and we thought to bring together his experience in product development. He has some great experience doing that and in technology and product development there from, especially from the banking sector that he was very successful at. And then I thought, okay, well, I have some ideas about, um, about how we could bring to bear some recent research that I've been involved in and how this might be um, useful in the music sector. And, I, and I can explain later on why I thought the music sector was, um, was uh, uh, an area that was ripe for this technology to be used uh, in terms of human expressivity. So that's, that's the overall journey. Um, and that's where we got to. And now, and BlueSense has been running uh, ever um, since 2018. Very interesting. I mean, I see your breakdancing, I see the technology, I see the movement and the, the love of understanding people. Like you, you all of those learnings became, uh, you know, the GrooveSense. So GrooveSense is a music selection app that you guys have created for people who love music, but also for them that love to entertain others. And here you use your experience of the combination of artificial emotional intelligence technology to help users create the perfect playlist. Uh, I work in the music industry for many years and I've done events and I know <laughs> the challenge of what is the perfect playlist, how do you create it? Um, and with GrooveSense, you automatically improve a host playlist in real time to play the music that everyone will like, whatever the location or events. So here can you tell us how you came up with the idea, why the music industry and what problem are you really trying to solve? There's a number of things there that I would like to uh, sort of take piece by piece. Um, so obviously, as I mentioned earlier, I, I have a propensity for dancing and I like to go to these social events and I like to enjoy myself. And I've been doing that for probably longer than I've been doing my science side of things. Um, so so um, in a way, uh, I, 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 would Im I could probably say that I've been doing these observational studies informally, perhaps not, not as an academic, but just as, a, as a, a, another person in that, in that space. Uh, informally, I've been doing these observational studies uh, for 20 years, but even something like that um, in, in various social settings and various music festivals or, or clubs or bars or places where people set up and do dancing um, for all that time. Um, and obviously, I've picked up in, implicitly or explicitly, I've picked up how people behave in all of these different settings. Um, and one thing that occurred to me is that, as you mentioned, and as you well know better than me, uh, the indus that industry of trying to get the music right is always been something that a lot of people strive for. Um, and there are various theories and methods and ideas about how one ought to do that. Um, but one thing that always what I saw, especially when I was doing things in informally in uh, on, on my nights out was that um, as a standard, and I don't mean specialist venues where things, you know, particularly special things happen with uh, um, a high, you know, a, a big name band or um, some superstar DJ or something. I don't mean situations like that, but when you have sort of these run of the mill, uh, to, to want of a better term, run of the mill settings, like somebody's throwing a house party or somebody's um, just having some private 
private private gathering or something like that, or even a small um, small local bar or something where where there is perhaps there isn't even a DJ. Um, and when you have these every, let's say everyday settings, um, the music that's that's really played is in most in most cases rather preset. So um, somebody might want a particular atmosphere. Some people might just want to play a particular set of songs because that's what they have. And there's the, the thinking into what to play uh, doesn't really go further beyond that. It's just what they decide to play and that's what's going to happen. And, and the, the customers or the, the guests or the people, uh, uh, you know, either will like it or won't like it. And it's just, uh, it's, you know, luck in a way, right? Whether they whether they get it right. So I was thinking that um, you know, you know, we we we're at the position in terms of technology now where it doesn't really have to be that way. At least even in these everyday settings. We it doesn't really have to be like that anymore. Um, why? Because well we have smartphones, uh, we establishments have their own computing systems inside their homes. Uh, hosts of the house have their own technologies, and all of these gadgets and technology uh, devices can speak to each other. We can we can communicate within the four walls of that space, so we can learn more about each other, or just from that particular group setting. Um, and one very easy thing that you might imagine, and you know, that, to be fair, there are other technologies that are in, in this space already, is that um, is we can give information to the host. To say, okay, this is the sort of thing I like, um, and the the playlist can take that in. The playlist creator can take that into consideration, and if there is a common thread amongst, let's say, ten people, we can take that and uprank those songs that are of that common thread, and and give people a better time of of what they like, and that's. That's surely better than an arbor arbitrary set of tracks that uh, that could be could go well or, or might not go well. So that was the very basic thinking. It was very very basic thinking at that point, um, and that's where uh, we uh, we wanted to to apply part of what GrooveSense does. However, um, in terms, of, but further to that, where my research background comes in. Um, is further to just the recommendations according to what people might like, which is what people already are doing in, uh, to some level. Um, I also thought that, well, that's great. That side of thing is great. But how do we then know how it went? Right? How do we then know, um, did it actually work then? So what we thought would be good, um, we play it. And then we also ought to have some way of understanding how it went. Now, the sort of standard way of doing that, and at the moment, is to ask people, right? Is to say, did you like that song? Or how was that, you know, what was, did you rate that song? Or do you, um, uh, did you enjoy the night? And that sort of thing. Um, so, so, uh, we can do that, we can do that, but the behavioral sensing side of things, rather than asking people uh, surveyed questions and reporting on how things went as a feedback to, to businesses or, or even just the success of a private gathering, um, uh, we can bring to bear some of this 
behavioral sensing technology, which we spoke about earlier, because we can we now better understand through data science and, and computer science um, what different expressions mean um, in any given setting. And rather than asking people one by one, and even if they even bothered to answer the questions, which a lot of people don't, by the way, and it being subjective. So if you ask the question, did you rate it a one to five star or you know, thumbs up or thumbs down? Some people, my what I see as a five star might be different to what you see as a five star, right? So there's there's difference in, in opinion there. So what we what we wanted to do was to go further, and we believe that looking at the behavioral sensing technology, we can get a more objective and more universal picture of what happened over the night um, for the same reasons. And we and computer science has got better at doing that. And the insight from the uh, my 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 music side was that given the way people behave in these sorts of settings, the behavioral um, let's say the expressivity is more uh, is more expressive in these social settings. So people dance, people clap, people might shout and whistle, and there's a lot of expression going on that can be captured compared to say, the office, right? Where you might be on your best behavior and you might not be doing all of that, hopefully not. Um, hopefully that, so it's harder to apply the science to different certain settings, but the insight that we have at GrooveSense is that the social setting, and especially with music setting, um, parties, for example, have high levels of energy and high levels of expressivity, which can be more readily detected, and we can then uh, use as um, understanding of how things went. So that is, I hope I hope I managed to capture all of that in in, in your question there. But that is that is the the broad thinking of of why we decided why we identified hospitality and that sector and the music sector as. A, you know, a, a ripe sector for applying this technology. Well, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, exactly like you, I mean, before I got into the whole uh, music science area, I was conducting events and I was attending events, you know, early by myself and, and, and the whole power of the DJ, of how you keep, you know, the crowd, um, keep them on, on the floor. And then you know that sometimes when you change the music and people don't like it, then instantly people are like, oh, let's, let's go for a drink instead. And I also agree with you in terms of, you can't really ask people, um, it, it's all about conscious and subconscious mind, right? And asking people directly, how did you experience it? Uh, it differs between people. And then a word of amazing really doesn't uh, express the actual feelings. So I've always also been very interested about how do we like you guys do use machine learning to analyze the mood of a crowd as it changes and to be able to identify you know positive and negative expressions and it's really cool that in uh, a space as a retail where there's a lot of happenings as you say 
uh, try to capture capture that and, and mapping it in, in a positive way. So I downloaded your app. Walk us through then, for me and our listeners, how can we as a private person use the app? One of our products we have at GrooveSense is uh, the app that we can down that you can download if you search for GrooveSense, so G-R-O-O-V-S-E-N-S-E, -E, um, in both stores. And um, what that basically uh, functions as is a, so is, is a sort of a communal music selection uh, system. And it's based on one person being the host. So if you can set up a session, so if you download the app and log in as a host, you can set up a session for your room, for your house or your room or wherever you're setting up a session. Um, and we can do this in two ways. You can do this in live and we can do this remotely. Um, we set up remotely as a response to COVID, but let's, I'll talk about the live side for now. Um, so if you set up, let's say you put in, you know, your, uh, you, you have a streaming service. So the, the host has to be um, uh, subscribed to what, uh, a streaming service. And, and, you know, they can stick in the, the audio jack and play it through their speakers or whatever, you know, at home um, and play music as they would normally play. As you do at a party, quite a lot of people do this sort of thing. But the difference is when you have GrooveSense, then it, the, if you download GrooveSense, the app and log in as a guest, all your guests can then um, uh, find your session in, in the app. Um, hopefully, if you, give, you can give them a link or if you can make it public, they can look for it and log into that session. Then they will have a view of what the music track list will be currently and also what's projected to come in, in the next few uh, five to 10 songs um, that's coming up that's about to be played, about to be queued. And they can already rate those if they want to. They can already tell us if they like them. They can even uh, tell us if they don't like those songs before it's even played. Um, the other thing that can hap that happens is they can also, on as they log in, they can do a very quick sort of you know very quick questionnaire where they just click a couple of genres and a few different uh, areas of music that they like and tell us about that. Um, or they we can look at if they allow us if they allow a look at what sort of playlists they have been looking at and, and listening to already. So we can already get a sense of what the, the guests uh, are into. And as all the guests join and do this, the algorithm on the back end will take all of that into account and look at what the host wants to play. Now it's not just going to be uh, just a pure voting system. Um, because that we don't think that would work because it's going to, it could potentially be too haphazard. So there are sort of um, uh, techniques that were put in by some of my very clever team that has helped to work on this um, in terms of making sure that it, it all falls in line with what the hosts want. So the host can set boundaries in terms of what sort of music they want to keep in if they want to, or if there's a certain playlist they want to stick to. Um, and look at all of the combinations that could happen according to what the host wants and also balancing it with what the guests like. And, um, and then we, what's recreated is an update every few minutes or so um, according to what we recommend um, that happens. Now, the other bit that happens is it doesn't stop there. That's, that's only this first step actually. It doesn't stop there. What then happens is um, we monitor what's going on. So this is where the 
behavioral sensing side comes into play. So that we can do this in, in a couple of different ways. Uh, we can see if, um, so one of the things that we have as a, as a, as a uh, first proprietary behavioral sensing technology is, is what we call dance IQ or a dance detector. So that utilizes the accelerometer inside everybody's phones and understands when the motion is reflective of a dance movement. Going back to my dance background, I would naturally want something like that in my phone. So, um, so, so that that is also a an, an expression of positive engagement in the song. If you're dancing, of course it is, and we can do that uh, through our accelerometer. And we believe GrooveSense is the first to do that. Um, uh, further to that, we can also think about more basic things like how many people have liked a song or disliked it, um, or even things like you know, have people left the venue? Have people sort of left in their droves or are they, or, or are they sticking uh, with, with, uh, with, the, with the, uh, uh, that, that current event? So more basic things like that. So uh, we, can, um, we can look at all of that in combination and um, keep monitoring the situation. The idea behind it is that we don't, we need to, we can keep it dynamic. We don't need to, Set a, set a playlist, see how it works, and then get some feedback, and that's it. So it can be, it can be updated on a more minute-by-minute minute level. So for example, if let's say um, everybody stops dancing, everybody's giving a thumbs down, they don't like this music at all, um, it's not really working, we can suggest to the host, or we can look at alternatives that are perhaps different to what's already going. But or if everybody's really enjoying themselves, and uh, everything's going swimmingly, we can, the next cued songs can be very similar to perhaps what's already being played and we keep that going because that's, you know, that's a success. So because we understand that, you know, you only have one, one shot at a good party, right? You can't, you can't have, you can't have them come back. You only have one shot at making a good impression and, and wanting to, your friends to have a good time. You want to get it right. Okay. So as you know, so there's only time is the, 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 uh, the thing you can't get back. So that's why we made it dynamic. And that's why we wanted to use this dynamic system to do that. So that's what, how it would work in, in our current, uh, currently available app. And we, you know, we, uh, we've tested it and, and we've tried it out in a couple of um, uh, developmental sessions already. And we found some quite interesting results. I always say music makes it or breaks a party, no matter how well, yeah. you know, the theme is, the food is, is actually when you put the music or bringing a DJ or an artist together that you bring all those pieces together, that everything comes alive. And I love what you're talking about, the different like metrics that you guys track. And I love field research and discovering user insights. And you've actually tested GrooveSense at a private student event where you went through these different metrics such as users joining and leaving the session, user requests, likes, dislikes, user dance events, and individual track starts and ends. So then I want to know, walk us through the research setup, your findings, and the other journey as you call it. What did you learn about the crowd? In our development for, for this app, we we set up some private test sessions, um, and uh, we we had uh, helping us, um, uh, and we're very, very grateful to the University College Dance Society. So, if any of them are listening, thank you very much, guys, uh, for coming along. But one thing we didn't do was we didn't um, 
we didn't tell them exactly on purpose. As, as you know, as a researcher, you should not prime your subjects too much, right? That's not good practice. So uh, we didn't tell them exactly what was going to happen, but there was a broad understanding of what was going to happen further to you, know, the sort of data consent and things like that. So, um, so we basically uh, ran a, you know, a typical small scale student night of about 40, 50 people. Um, and they all tested the app. They all had to download it. And, and we were running uh, the, the uh, we were looking at the data and collecting the data as the night went on. They knew it was an experiment and everybody was assigned, signed up to that, you know, but there was no DJ. Uh, that didn't, that person didn't exist. So it was done through GrooveSense. And they used the, they saw that there was an initial suggested playlist. They were interacting with that playlist. They were judging the, whether they liked it. They were making requests as the night went on. And the combination of all of those things, plus the amount of people dancing, um, the amount of people uh, leaving the venue at any given time or coming in, how long they stayed for and things like that. We collected all of that data. And, and you know we wanted to understand and that was that particular event was our first real life event that we did outside of our own uh, labs outside of our own um, uh, data science uh, room um, so so we were very keen to analyze what was going on there um, and looking back at uh, the the data and by the way the, we got some great feedback so um, you know the, the participants, enjoyed it they they thought it was interesting that they could um they could they have a say that they, they you know they, they have some power in uh, in terms of uh what what was going to happen um and that was a new they didn't sort of ever have that before so that was an interesting uh um experience for them and then people danced and people liked it people uh um uh, enjoyed themselves it it you know at face value just looking at it just from uh, a, a neutral observation point of view, it seemed like it was a reasonably successful night and people people like, enjoyed themselves. And there was no music agenda, there was no music genre agenda per se. We sort of let things happen as they as we wanted it to happen. Um, but so just on the on the on the point of genres, uh, one thing that was very interesting was we looked at the map, the progression of the music as it went, as it progressed over the night. Um, and like I said, this is this is students. So these were mostly people between sort of uh, 18, 19, 20, early 20s uh, age brackets, much younger than me. And, um, and we thought that, OK, that's fine. That's the sort of grouping we have here today. So we might get a lot of more recent music and more sort of um, more more cutting edge, more recent genres that might get played, probably by a bunch of artists that I've never heard of. You know, um, and, and so that I, I or I probably uh, never realized was even a genre or something like that. So I thought that that was the sort of thing that was going to happen. But it doesn't matter if that's what the the guests want; that's what they're going to get. So um, you know, my initial instincts was that's the sort of thing that was going to happen. Um, but what was quite interesting was, and and the reason I bring this up is if I were say um, somebody that was setting up that. Um, uh, a venue as an event, let's say, uh, I might look at the sort of guests I'm getting and I might make some prejudgment about what they might like. And I might set that up in a way, you know, as you run events, you might have seen people do similar sorts of things. And I might have 
decided to do you know very cutting edge music and 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 uh, recent music because I think you know everybody's um, you know, there's lots of young people here and that's what they they all like as a as an assumption right um, but had I done that I would have got it badly wrong which was the interesting thing it turns out that um, uh, that and this is why we call it the other journey. Uh, it turned out that uh, the 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 most the, the best reaction we got, and you know from from these eighteen to twenty two year olds, was you know uh, ABBA. <laughs> everybody knows ABBA. Yes, of course, everybody likes ABBA. Yes, and I can I can see the argument that well, everybody likes ABBA, so that's going to happen, right? Um, but yes, it, it, okay, that that is true in, in a sense. But it was it was so much more well received than even the number, you know, the, the things that are highly popular right now in terms of the charts and things like that, uh, which, were, which were requested and were played at some points in the night. And that was interesting. And that was a, a curious observation in the sense that that was something that we did not expect. Um, you know, it might've been if it was a room full of old fogies like me, that was explainable, but it didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't happen there. And they, they loved it. And then they kept asking, they kept requesting more of that. And the dance rate, so as we detect the dance in everybody's phone, the movement in everybody's phone, we can see that as a signal in the, in the backend data. Uh, we can see which, which uh, songs had the highest ratings of dancing for the longest periods of time. And it was those sort of, you know, 70s and uh, it's even 80s music that I thought that they might not even know about. You know, it shows how much I know. And, but they did, they did know about that. And it might have just been that particular cohort of people. But the point is, I'm not making generalizations about people of that age. The point is, it, 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 what matters is the people in the room and whoever it is in the room. And we can then focus on what they, those particular people like or dislike, and that's how it works. So it did turn up some surprises is the, is the, is the take home of this. And that's what we learned that this kind of thing can, um, you know, create some surprising trajectories in the music that you might not expect as a, as an event organizer or as a host of a party. And this is uh, one of the curious things about uh, a user groove sense. And a, a, another, um, another interesting aspect is that um, we also did a correlation test against what happened in the night versus some generic metrics that you get with songs. So one of the metrics that you get with um, metadata, rather not metrics, met, uh, metadata points that you get with songs is this, uh, this value of what's, what's called danceability. And those who do data science on music and songs will, might have seen this metadata of danceability. And that's created by streaming services or other, other people who have uh, curated this sort of uh, um, uh, data point and decided that this song is highly danceable and that song isn't highly danceable or this song is highly popular based on whatever global estimates they have. But then we looked at danceability and because we had dance detector, we wanted to see the correlation between what the streaming services decided that was the danceable song and what actually happened in our night. And we might have expected some sort of correlation and there was none. There was no, there was no correlation. In fact, in some cases, it was a little bit negative. So if I were to use danceability as, say, a, a metadata to create a dancey night, 
um, for to curate a dancing night for some, you know, for some event. Um, I'm saying, and, and you get a particular subset of people, it might not work. That's the point. That's the point I'm making. It might not work for that set of people. So for our set of people that we got, the danceability, and by so you know what I'm saying is the danceability of the tracks. We know as ground truth because we're detecting it. Um, and we don't then need to rely on these global estimates, which is based on whatever it's based on. And that could be badly wrong. So those are the sorts of insights that we were getting in our first experimental setup. And this is, this is a, the point I'm making about the real-time behavioral sensing is really what you want because that's really what is happening on the ground uh, rather than these estimates that you're making beforehand uh, in order to assume what's going to happen on the ground. So we technology is moving away from that. And Groove Sense is bringing that to bear at least in these music settings. So that, that's, that's really what we learned and it was, it was very interesting. And we're doing more analysis because since then we've had a lot more um, sessions that we ran and we're doing more analysis on all of those and we we're learning things and always improving wow I, i'm just listening stunned <laughs> of how impressive this is this is like what the market has been waiting for for such a long time and i just want to reflect a little bit like yes it was a small test but me coming from doing my first um test at university also it always starts with small tests and then you start seeing indications and then you can do bigger and to be the first ones to be able to start mapping it out and and figure things out uh it's it's really impressive and also like the results is basically contextual which means that similar to each you know location party what the people is we're coming from the club industry like in the london if you're east south <laughs> north you know they choose the music based on those type of people and then people are driven to those areas based on that and i also wanted to reflect back to uh when you were talking about using the app of liking and disliking i, I was just seeing myself when I was young, you know, going up to the DJ, like daring going up to the DJ and say, please, can you play this song that, that I like? <laughs> and now you know that, that you don't have to do that. But I also see this in terms of, because looking at coming again from the club industry, you don't always play what the people like you also want to create like with branding like this is the vibe that we want and if it's an event that you tell people like for example i love house music this is like uh the evening of that and then the crowd will will come based on that but what i was thinking when i was listening it was like it's an amazing part because then it's, it's mostly like, okay, we do love house music going there, but how do you like uh, maximize the impact of like making people like, you know, the DJs are great at like make them higher and higher. And, and you're just like, okay, this song works. And then this songs works. And then you just keep, keep going. Um, 
that's really Im Im impressive. And you don't really want to replace a DJ's work. So how can then DJs harness uh, from your technology? Um, so at the moment, one thing we're currently developing is what we're calling the DJ dashboard. So it will be an extension to what we, we already have, but specifically designed for DJs. So we understand we have DJs that are helping us in our team, actually. Uh, Mizan's a former DJ, the co-founder. We also have a long, um, uh, very experienced DJs as part of our GrooveSense team, even in-house. So, um, so we, we understand what DJs have to do, the pressure they're under, the, the reason they, they, they have to make the right selections. And it is, it is about ultimately selecting. And it is ultimately making sure that that journey that you take the audience on is the best one that you can get uh, for that night. Um, so we created this dashboard, uh, which basically helps to augment their decision-making process. So one thing that the DJs can't know, for example, very easy example, is they can't know what the audience like, unless they know them personally and they know who they are, which you know, rarely happens, not always happens. But let's say you just have some, you know, bunch of strangers in the room that showed up. Um, you can only really go off of sort of what they're reacting to, to begin with. But wouldn't it be great to have a, uh, a graphic that tells you, hey, this is a this is a, a predominantly rock crowd, or this is a predominantly hip hop crowd, and you know, based on the you know, the overall picture of who's in the room, to be even just to be just as a starting point, just as a starting point. And then what we can do with that is we can take that information look at the sorts of music or the sorts of tracks that the DJ tends to play. So we're not asking the DJ to go completely off script and to completely um, do a play music that they're very alien to playing and they don't tend to want to do that because ultimately it is their performance and it is their, um, it is their tone that they want to set as a DJ themselves. We understand that. Um, but to give, give informed suggestions, say, perhaps maybe put these particular tracks at the early part of the night. Maybe they're a bit slower, so people aren't really dancing anyway. And they will like it because we know this bunch, this group of people happen to be into that particular artist or that particular decade or that particular genre. And we can, you know, as you know, music is, is uh, the music mapping, the mapping of music and how they relate to each other is a multi-dimensional and very sort of uh, continuous space, right? It's not these all belong in this bin and those all belong in that bin and never the twain have any relationship. So that's not how it works, as you well know. Um, so we, we, can look, we can look at nuanced suggestions to say, okay, maybe try that one. We know you've got that in your track list. Maybe put that one in behind that one. And obviously it has to flow as well. So we have a smoothing parameter that makes sure that we're not having, the tracks aren't jumping from one thing to another too harshly. So that also helps the DJ make a quick quick and guided decision in terms of how they, what to select next and what to cue next. So we have this DJ dashboard, um, it's, it's, uh, it's on its way and we hope to test that very soon. And we hope that they will benefit from that and, and really you know, have, um, um, in, uh, have, a, uh, have a good results in their, in their playing, in, when, they're, when they're playing and they're doing their job. So, um, so that's coming up in terms of DJ technology. And obviously, whenever we, we trial this, we always get feedback from them. And the, the point that I really want to end on with this is we have DJs helping us design this already. So we're, we're keeping, you know, the, the, the stakeholders are in the design loop. And I'm a big believer in that. And in terms of making sure we're we not going to assume what they want. We want to know what they want from us. 
And that's um, that's something that I want to add about the DJ dashboard. It's on its way. But very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to share something that popped up in my mind is that I know a lot of uh, music producers. And a couple of years ago, I read the book, The Song Machine, Inside the Hit Factory, that they talk about like the fascinating journey of how to create um, the hit song. Um, and I'm just seeing this also like in terms of how producers can use it to figure out how do we reach that, you know, hit song, that song that's, you know, keeps people uh, coming, um, uh, dancing and, and you know, yeah, it, it, it's amazing what it can do. But let's go also back to my research that I've done then looking into brand fit music in like um, retail stores, restaurants, clubs, etc. Um, the challenge that I saw in the industry is, okay, great, you can put together this playlist, so-called brand fit music, but how does that really affect my brand and my... Uh, you know, my clients coming into my venue and I saw a challenge there because how would you be able to monitor a map of what's going into a venue rather than just looking into like a playlist of 600 songs? So we talked about how we privately can use GrooveSense. Now I'm super curious to discuss about how businesses can benefit from your technology. Uh, so just take a step back from uh, music playing businesses in general. <clears throat> so and just to reiterate that businesses always want to know how, how customers feel, right? I mean, that's the bottom line of, of a lot of technology. Um, you know, we're all we're always bombarded with questions like, oh, let's say you stayed at a hotel, you know, how was your stay? Did you like this movie when you watch it on Netflix? Or uh, did you, you know, five to, one to five star rating of how was your experience for this thing or that thing? And we're always bombarded with these questions because because businesses are desperate to know how it went, how you feel. So the, this approach of giving questions, let's say, and, and asking is okay, you know, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing particularly terrible about it, and it does work, but you know, as you know well know, it's only partial because you only get to ask some of the people, most people probably won't engage. Um, and again, it's subjective, it's what does that even mean? You know, what is a what is a, a five star mean for one person, or what is what does amazing mean, right? <laughs> like you, you, you said earlier. And, and you know, unless you, some people might give a, a one star or a zero star because something unfortunate happened that really wasn't anything to do with what they were really asking in the first place right so there's all these there's always confusion and ambiguity so um just in terms of behavioral sensing as a general concept what i'm saying in terms of the music in this space uh, sorry the, the industry in this space in the music space is that we can then computer science and um and in some part the subfield of, of effective computing um is beginning to allow more objective and comprehensive understanding of how it went um, in a more empirical way and in a more uh, in a way that it does include everybody 
in, in, in where in depending on the sensor, but would include and be the why because it's what we call passive. We the data is collected regardless of just just based on what the people are doing naturally. They don't have to do anything further than like come and ask, ask answer questions. It's, it's based on how they're reacting through their expressions and their behavior. So that passive sensing is always going to give continuous information. That's why we knew the danceability metric well, didn't correlate to how people really danced during that test event we did as, a, as an example of that. So, um, so, so in order to answer the first part of your question, that's already one area where they can benefit from, from this sort of technology. Uh, in terms of that, um, in terms of this specific app itself, of course, you know, you they they spend lots of money on curating the right frame, the right mood, the right image of for the for the company, and it gets played. Okay, that's fine if that's what they want because that's the part of their branding and part of the image. That's fine, and they get a set of music that is in line with all of that, and that's okay because that's what people want. But after that, there, you know, I, I think it, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the expert in this area rather than I, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, after that, it sort of stops there, you know, and and it gets played. And do we know if let's say it's a it's a let's take a bar example or, or example that has a certain uh, theme it wants to play, or a restaurant or a, a retail outlet that has a certain theme it wants to keep in, in line. Um, let's say we have only a few customers, let's say one or two, one or two of those customers. Um, and if we allow the customers to give feedback using our system, or if we know something about those one or two customers before lots of other people come in, um, would it hurt to re-examine which songs within that superset of songs that you've already curated to promote for that, for that given point in time? Surely then, then there's making more use of the, that curated, the money you spent on that curated playlist and, and getting more value out of it because you know the circumstances of the specific situation that is currently happening. Because you know two people have walked in, uh, those two people, you might know that they are fans of a particular artist. You want to keep into a particular theme, but that particular artist that they like has done a couple of tracks with the theme that you want to keep, and then you start playing those. And then so you win in terms of your theme, the two people in the bar um, or whatever it is um, are happy because they heard their favorite artist and you got the most out of that five minutes or 10 minutes that you've got. And then maybe more people start coming in and then you change it up and then get the, you get the most out of your selections that, uh, that you want given the situation. So the, benefit, the further benefit further to just having better, more objective ratings, more objective feedback is that you'll, there's the, 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 there is the chance to get more value out of the curated uh, sets of music that, that, you're, that you want, given the current situation or the current uh, um, uh, uh, circumstances in sort of pseudo real time, but more of a minute by minute level. Um, because the good thing is, you, once a music's played, it's sort of two, three, four, five minutes long. Um, and you don't need to keep changing it every second. You can keep, you know, you can keep changing it over a few minutes. And during that time, we can do plenty. These days, we can do plenty of processing in two, three, four, five minutes. And we know a lot by then. 
and um, and that's you know processing power is is, is very is, is is pretty impressive these days, and um, and we can really understand what's happening at that at that minute level. So so that is really what a lot of um, uh, a lot of businesses and in industry can really benefit from. And my my you know I submit that you would get more out of the 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 lists that you've already uh, paid for uh at any given time no definitely i think the missing gap in the industry when it comes to this um and especially like the value of music and the power of music is the measurement impact that is actually yeah. missing because businesses are measuring everything especially online um it's very easy um you know all the advertising they can base it on that but unfortunately um the missing link that I've always seen is how do you do also the measuring actually in a physical store and figuring out what's going on and using the same way of the measuring impact um, to, you know, drive improvements and better user experiences. So it's very uh, powerful then. What would you then say that GroupSense is doing better in your technology and who is your like biggest competitor in this space there are other i mean with our current app which like i mentioned it, it has a social jukeboxing function um there are other apps that exist that do that uh in a similar way um so th through that sense of the social jukeboxing sense there are some um uh juke star uh, touch tunes flow music there's a few others like that that's been around uh, for a couple of years or, and, or more um, anyway. Uh, but having said that, they, they, it, is, it is just this sort of this group music, you know, uh, selection and, and, and done through uh, the pure uh, um, uh, adherence from all of the users. So there are competitors, at least from that applicace, application um, uh, that CruiseSense is also uh, in that space as well. However, um, from what we see so far, um, they don't have the passive sensing. So they don't have that side of it. So uh, it's completely reliant on how people engage and how how much they, you know, in, how how much they engage and also how truthfully they engage in terms of whether they like really like something or that, you know, th there is that uh, subjectivity to it. Um, our view in terms of the group music playing experience. And my personal view, being a former dancer and party goer, is that I wouldn't want all of my guests to be sat around looking at their phones, right? That's that kind of contradicts a good time, right? That's in my in my mind, and uh, you know, let, others may disagree, but in my mind, that's not what I want my 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 guests to be jumping and partying and doing the conga and, and having a great whale of the time, right? That's what I wanted to see in a party. I don't want them to be sitting around sort of arguing over which song they would like and voting them up or down all the time. So that is the funda that is the fundamental, one of the fundamental shortcomings in doing uh, the current standard way of doing um, uh, uh, social jukeboxing. Okay. Um, and, you know, you know, so what we want to agree sense is we, we, we argue that we've, we've, we've moved on from that. And we are doing social jukeboxing, but slightly differently, in the sense that we don't need to always be reliant on what people's feedback is manually. 
and they don't need to keep getting out their phones and rating things and all that. They want to be chatting and talking to their friends and dancing and drinking and whatever. Um, that's that's a party, not sitting around looking at your phone. So, um, so the, 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 again, so the, the, the behavior sensing, the passive sensing is all important here. And I reiterate, um, in that setting, in a party setting, let's say, behavior, the, the reason why passive sensing isn't, why you might ask, well, why is the passive sensing used everywhere? You know, why isn't it all over the place? And why isn't it a multi-billion dollar global industry right now? It kind of is in some, you know, it is getting much bigger in some sections. One of the challenges is that depending on the situation, um, the passive sensing can, it can be easier or more difficult to get right. Okay, so depending on how the, if it's a situation where, like I mentioned in the office, where people are on best behavior, their actions are a bit more muted. They don't perhaps shout or express themselves too much. They sit around, there's not much, and it's, it's kind of low energy behavior. And there's, there's less to detect or it's more subtle and it's harder to really pin down what's happening. I would argue that the party setting is the complete opposite of that, right? Is the complete opposite where people's behavior is the most exaggerated. Um, all sorts of things go on and the amount is high energy, higher energy levels or lower energy levels uh, in, and in between levels, and that's part of what you can measure, is, um, is there. And that's where, that's the place that people express themselves, one of the places rather, that people express themselves the most. So if it's one of the places that people express themselves the most, then this expression technology is the place that can be applied more readily. And ergo, this is the, um, the hospitality industry and the music industry. And that's, that's the thinking that, like, that underpins group sense. So, so although there are competitors in some sense, I don't think there are any, at least from you know, getting the, the, the passive feedback side of things, we believe that as so far as we've seen through ourselves looking and conversations we've had with lots of people like yourselves and experts everywhere, we don't see that anybody's really started to do this in earnest. And we hope that we think that we're probably the first. And behavior um, sensing technology is a hot topic, and yeah. you've only touched the tip of the iceberg. So, what is the next in artificial emotional intelligence, especially with the five G communication infrastructure? You know, Facebook talking about metaverse. What do you see? Um, well, I mean, I think that this in general is just, it's going to start to pervade in lots of other sectors. And we might start to see that. You know, I know some a lot of work's been done in terms of domestic care and care homes and, and how, what's going on in those sort of vulnerable population situations and things like that, where you know, it's rightly applied. Um, in terms of what, what's happening with new technologies coming up, there's always this issue of, for example, we're talking about sensing and collecting a lot of data and, all, and people are apprehensive about data and, you know, and what's being collected and what's it going to, what's going to, you know, what's going to happen with this and how am I going to be affected and, you know, is this going to be adverse effects and things like that. All understandable and I completely uh, uh, see that point. Um, uh, so with the new forthcoming communications infrastructure that you mentioned, plus advances in other things like processing power, um, more better and efficient algorithmic power and AI and algorithmic power. Um, some of all of these in combination will allow for uh, more sophisticated systems to be done within the four walls, 
or towards to more towards the it's not you know, uh, towards the edge 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 side of the system. The, um, and if it's can, if if a lot of this can be done in situ, um, a lot of the data can be processed there and then more more quickly and more readily um, uh, uh, with short short um, high bandwidth communication like five G, um, short range, and and then it can. Uh, we can do more with that that also helps to prevent concerns about sending data off to you know servers in other continents and being saved by these giant tech companies and things can be done locally and in a in in, in just as a powerful way um and we can get more out of that and we'll get more instant feedback out of that so i i think the onset of all of these new technologies that you mentioned will allow for more of that sort of thing to happen and because it's better in terms of privacy and also safety, you know, this is the cybersecurity issues as well, right? The more you transmit things all over the place, um, the more it's prone to, um, you know, uh, nefarious things happening. So, so that in, in, in further to what you're saying, I think we will get more, not necessarily just behavioral sensing, but just more real time sensing. It doesn't have to be just about human behavior. It can be about anything that happens in real time um and that sort of uh real world monitoring can will be more can be more applicable and done in a sensible and safe way and i think as that happens and you know we will get to be able to do things in a more personalized way so as for example uh there may be the system that's set up for uh you in your home or me in my home or that bar in that place versus another bar in another place won't be exactly the same. There will be differences. There will be differences in the um, the environment and the ambient area that that exists. There will be differences in the in 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 uh, noise levels and uh, what's going on in in different settings. And they can be adjusted at a more local level as well, and to get it to get that working better, rather than having a one size fits all approach where we think, well, you know, that algorithm's got to work on you and also you and also that person. It might not be true. There might be a specific set of configuration of technologies that's good for that particular venue or that particular person. And it works better for various reasons. And rather than this um, one size fits all approach. So we can personalize or in or localize rather um the the solutions in a better way so that i i think that's the the the, the sensible steps that's going to happen and and um you know again this is this is also part of what our thinking as well yeah thank you for clarifying that because a lot of people say like oh if they're gonna <laughs> analyze me and my sensors you know what's happened with my privacy the security yeah. and how is it going to be used against me so thank you for for sharing that so what are like the next things happening for group sense going forward uh so from a scientific point of view because uh, I, I you know as i lead the science side i'm probably best place to answer this what we want to do is we want to do more we want to better understand um obviously we're developing some of these further behavioral sensing technologies that i mentioned um we've done we've done the the, the movement sensing uh we're going to do more audio visual work with some computer vision analysis some audio analysis and various other sensing that we can do that captures the ambient actions that's happening in a in a in a particular situation and these um these uh methods are being developed and that's what we're doing in our next stages to get 
a better accurate reading of, well, reading the room. So that's that's um, uh, what we want to do there. Um, and we want, and you know, we, we want to uh, engage more with uh, uh, businesses um, that want to, unlike you, like you correctly mentioned, want to understand how they can get their reaction and their feedback and their, their customer and guest experiences in a way that's that is uh, augmenting what they're already doing, and and you know we. The group sense is set up to to work with um, with with uh, those sorts of industry people to to help them do that. So this is this is uh, where we're going, where we're going, and, and how we are moving forward. So um, again, rather than a uh, one particular technology that is that is going to be applied to all sorts of uh, different areas. What the way out we're looking at it at GrooveSense is we understand what the technologies are because the, with the people I've looked, talked to and my own research and, and the, the other things I've read, um, we, want to, we want to focus the ability to do that behavioral sensing in areas that we think are going to be the most successful and the music related social settings where people's expressivity is most salient it is a um, is a more readily deployable application and group sets going forward is going to um, we, we hope to be you know the, the cutting edge and the, and the leaders in doing that and and speaking to people and advising uh, other other industry leaders as well on how to do that and and how we can then bring our expertise to bear um, for the people who want to start using this um, uh, in, in the future. And especially, like you say, when the, the, the new uh, infrastructures come into play, because that's where um, you know, a lot of this will be more readily deployable and allowable because it would be better, uh, uh, easier to, to crunch these, crunch these uh, numbers and, and these sensing streams and these signals, these high, high uh, data signals uh, quickly. So that's, that's um, that's that's where we want to go, and you know where we we want to speak to people. We want to um, we want to engage with people, and we want to um, uh, learn what people need in this hospitality and music sector. And we, and we we hope to we hope to work with lots of people going forward. Well, from my perspective, I would say that what you guys are have and are going to do is really filling uh, a gap. In the industry and it's really needed and i'm super impressed and i really love it and i want to thank you very much for letting me share your story um, and your findings and if the listeners want to learn more about groove sense and get in contact with you uh what can they do um so well i mean you can go to groovesense.com that's groove without an e by the way so it's g-r-o-o-v-s-e-n-s-e -E -E, um dot com uh and there is an email address, so info at groovesense.com, that is, is uh, anybody can and send any queries they want to ask, and, and one of our team will respond, and, and, and we will follow that up. Um, um, and, and, you know, we, we want people to get in touch, or, again, or, or give, give any feedback they have about our app, then download our app on both of the stores, uh, and if they search for GrooveSense and try it out. If they're having a party and with their guests, try it out and 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 see um, and 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 see how it uh, how they like it, and if it you know if it works for them, and 
And you know, we're 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 a small company. We're a startup. Um, we we want to hear from people. We want to understand what people's thoughts are about all of this. Um, and we're all you know, we we we're keen to uh, open dialogues with with and learn more from the industry as well. So people who are, who are leading this uh, 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 lots of things in the industry in terms of uh, music venues and and um, an application of curated music in the in the business sector. Um, we we definitely want to hear from uh, all of the all of those great people as well. And uh, so please drop us an email and and we'll be keen to chat to people and learn um, from you uh, as well. So um, so yeah, in, info at groovesense.com and and check us out on our website. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jasmine. It was uh, it was a very uh, it was a great chat, and 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 I'm 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 it's it's always very encouraging to 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 have um, a, a positive support from uh, people like you who are who have been in working in this for such a long time and and really know the business and to to for you to confirm and that that you know that we 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 have something of, of great of value that you see is very encouraging and and um and we, we're very grateful for that and for your time well that's all for today's episode of the power of audio science and ai i'm jasmine Moradi, your host and thank you very much for listening don't forget to subscribe and support by sharing this content on your social media this episode is supported by stockholm music city <laughs>